I feel like in life, the things that you care the most about are sitting right in front of you and you tend to ignore them just because you think this is okay, but I'm actually interested in ABC, other things. For me, it was a little bit like that. I started out with the intent of wanting to do psychology without realizing that I had a great background for political science. It was something that in elementary school, even when asked to do a project, I remember on social evils, and where a lot of people were talking about female feticide and other things, my teacher was tasked with grading a project that I handed in on corruption. Hi, my name is Kanupriya. And my name is Julia. And welcome to the RISE podcast. Today we have with us Antra, who is the founder and CEO of Civis, a startup based out of Mumbai, India, which works to enable effective dialogue between governments and citizens on draft laws and policies. Antra has a bachelor's degree in political science and government and has worked across multiple government organizations and nonprofits before finding her way to entrepreneurship. Thank you so much, Antra, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Hello. So you wanted to just start off with your educational journey. So when you started college, what were you thinking of majoring in and why did you choose the field that you did? So that's a great question. Thanks, Kamupriya. I initially wanted to major in psychology. And I thought from school that that was the one thing that I was exceptionally passionate about. Sometimes I feel like in life, the things that you care the most about are sitting right in front of you and you tend to ignore them just because you think this is okay, but I'm actually interested in ABC, other things. For me, it was a little bit like that. I started out with the intent of wanting to do psychology without realizing that I had a great background at school for political science. I'd always been interested in that space. It was something that in perhaps elementary school, even when I wasn't asked to do a project, say, for example, I was asked to do a project, I remember, on social evils, and where a lot of people were talking about female feticide and other things, my teacher was tasked with grading a project that I handed in on corruption. You've always been passionate about something, but sometimes you just don't see it because you take it for granted. And I think that was my journey with political science and psychology. Ultimately, I did end up doing political science because I realized that psychology was not for me somewhere two years into my bachelor's degree. And I think that's how it just came together. Amazing. That's really fascinating. And I think one of the things that we always think about is connecting those dots as they come about. So would you say you made that decision to study political science at the end of two years of your bachelor's degree? Yes. And were you actively involved in organizations in university focused on political science and like, apart from just the academic side, what else did you do in that field? So I think in university in Bombay, it is a lot less political than it is in other parts of India. In other parts of India, you do have student unions, you have very active elections. There are other aspects of the political process that you engage with just by virtue of studying at that place. Bombay in that sense is, uh, is a little bit less political. And one of the key aspects of education in Bombay, which I think really benefited me, is the focus on internships and practical experience. So shortly out of college, it happened to be the time of the 2014 Indian general elections, where the entire country was undergoing an election to elect a new party. And at that point of time is when I decided to get my hands dirty. I actually worked with different organizations, political parties across the spectrum to make sure that from one day training booth officers to try and understand how gamification works in elections. 
I really did try and bridge that entire gap to be able to understand the process better. So while student activism was not something that I was too involved in or was even culturally very prevalent in Mumbai, we did get the opportunity to be involved with different pieces through internships. I tried to understand media a little bit better by interning with the Times of India and a few other places to, to really get some practical experience. I think that was something that benefited me a lot in the long run. Yeah. And what really struck me about what you were saying is the fact that you worked for a lot of different parties across that spectrum. So in a way, stepped away from your own political leanings to look at it almost very scientifically. How did you decide that that was the right thing to do instead of jump on a cause or within the political thing or you know, advocate for what you really believe in and stick to that one party? I've always had an orientation or a leaning towards processes and understanding processes. For me, it became interesting to get a perspective of how different parties were organizing and how they were actually carrying out the same or reacting to the same electoral process. Some were heavy tech interventions. Some we saw that there were a lot of housewives who would come to volunteer their time for the party. In others, it was very collateral heavy. There was pamphlets and papers and all sorts of things that were being distributed. And for me, the point of curiosity more than the ideology of the party came from how does one engage with the process? And I think that's something that is carried throughout to the work that we do now at Civis, where we're really trying to optimize a process which enables engagement. And it takes all kinds to make the world go around. And I would really look up to people who have that strong ideology to say that this is what I want to support and I will put all my weight behind that. But for me, it was just coming from a place of curiosity of wanting to understand how this works before one takes an ideological stand, really figuring out what is the playing field and how do you navigate it is maybe the first step to my mind. Right. And so once you finished college and you'd finished some of those internships, you started working at the Asia Society, right? What led you to that? What was the work you were doing there? And could you also just briefly describe Asia Society? Absolutely. Asia Society is a global nonprofit that works on public education programs. The idea with which Asia Society was started was to bring cultural and political knowledge from Asia to the United States. And sometime down the journey, it became a process to do the same thing vice versa. At Asia Society, I handled a lot of their public education programs relating to the policy domain. And this, again, proved to be a very interesting experience for me because it gave me a lot of exposure to different thoughts in the policy domain itself, be it digital technology and its adoption of policy, or be it economic policy, which is something that I didn't have a lot of practical exposure to. The reason I decided to work for Asia Society, rather than perhaps what was the traditional path of a master's or a master's in public policy that most other people may have done after my degree, was, again, because... I realized that at some point, you need to have some amount of specialization in what you're trying to do. And I felt just having graduated from college that I wasn't there yet to be able to figure out within policy, what is the path that interests me the most and what is the path that I want to expose myself to or actually study further. And that was the reason why Asia Society came about, because it gave me a cross-sectional understanding of how different aspects of policy and international relations actually play out. Now, it just so happened that Asia Society at that 
point was through their policy initiative center, also starting some track to diplomacy work between US and India. And I had the opportunity to get involved with that as well, which played a really key role in helping me see how the process works up close rather than just public education programs, also being involved in executing track to diplomacy programs and other such dialogues. So from that perspective, it really gave me a very holistic understanding of a broad spectrum of economics and policy and helped me zero in on what really interests me. Great. That was very interesting. And I was wondering, when I first think of politics, it is something very far from us, very far from the young people, even if perhaps it is one of the biggest instruments that us as citizens have to change the things that we don't like. So. Why do you think there is this distance between a common person and politics, especially for young people? And when did you realize this and how do you think civis is helping bridging this gap? While there has been a distance in the past, a lot of research indicates that that distance is actually closing and maybe not even with our generation, but people maybe six or ten years younger than us. What we're seeing in that generation is a desire for a different kind of politics. It may not be the structured, sort of rigid politics that we are exposed to, but it's something which is more participatory, which is more fluid, which is more engaging and, and continuous. And I think that change has been brought about largely because of the prevalence of internet and different feedback loops that get closed repeatedly, right? All of a sudden, if we press a button, we see a Uber show up, we wonder why we can't engage in a similar manner with the state. Why is it that we can't actually engage with them beyond an election or talk to them about problems that are relevant to us? And a lot of research from UNESCO and UNDP and a few other organizations points to this as well as the World Bank. And the interesting part to me is that if there is this demand and if we're working, especially in India, with a very large young population, the state needs to be able to keep up with that. The state needs to be able to actually engage citizens effectively to be able to ensure that you have some amount of cohesion or some amount of agree to disagree attitude in a particular country, right? And that is something that civis is working towards because what we noticed is that sometimes even if you do want a responsive governance or you want to engage with the state, it is something which you want to do with limited resources. I mean, you have limited resources and time to be able to do that. You want to see returns, but also at the same time for the government, it needs to happen through a process. Simply tweeting at them may not actually get you what you're looking for because it doesn't flow into their workflows, right? And when we were thinking about what Civis wanted to do as an intervention, this became a key point of it, that how do we fit with the gears existing in a system? We don't want to create a new gear. What we want to do is just make the existing gears smoother. And in that space, if you have the ability to engage very easily in limited time, if you see constantly that there are good results coming your way, you do realize that there is more of an uptake and more of a personalization of politics as compared to something that was quite far from us previously. Yeah. And maybe for some of our listeners, can you just talk about what civis does fundamentally and how you moved from Asia Society to civis and to start civis? Civis is a platform that enables citizens and governments to co-create laws together. We do this by using technology to bridge the gap and making sure that citizens have the ability to make their voices heard 
on laws and policies that impact them. In a very simple example, one of the most inspiring stories to me is of a transgender woman called Bonita, who shared her feedback on a particular law pertaining to the transgender community and saw that within a span of two months, the government actually took her suggestions and implemented them. And Bonita's suggestion, mind you, was a part of like 52% of suggestions that got accepted. And that itself has transformed the laws for transgender people for generations to come. So it's huge impact by just spending a minute or two sharing your feedback on something. That's the example I always like to talk about with civis because that process is what civis typically facilitates. To your question about how the transition from Asia society to civis happened, while I was at Asia Society, I was mentioning that I, I got exposure to a breadth of different things. And one of the things that I did that I did get some exposure to was understanding how technology and policy interface. And to try and get that curiosity of mine abated a little bit, I just started volunteering with an Argentinian movement called Democracy OS. And Democracy OS was doing similar work to civics, but a little bit more radical in their context, in the sense that they actually contested elections and they voted in parliament based on what people voted on the app. And that is something that I knew was a little bit far for civics. But the idea of participation, of enabling participation through technology really stuck. And it took a year for me to research and actually get myself involved with the practical aspects of, of policy making far beyond what you learn in textbooks, right? And really see what is that gap that civis can bridge and how can we help facilitate the process. Okay, I'm very, very fascinated by this, especially because I think one of the things we don't talk about is how volunteering opportunities can lead to something much more fulfilling, even in the long run. You know, you think of it as short term, I'm doing this for two months, I make myself feel good, I'm doing some good. But it sounds like that was really pivotal in your journey. So how did you even find this? And how did you find this one organization in Argentina and get involved with them? Found them thanks to a TED Talk, which is just a phenomenal TED Talk by Pierre Mancini. I just on a whim sat up late at night and wrote to them and said, hey, do you need an extra pair of hands? I don't need anything in return. And that was that. I mean, they were happy to sort of take us on. We started an India chapter, again, completely volunteer run of Democracy OS. We did some really interesting work that led to citizens' voices being included in the COP21 dialogues on climate change. And that was sort of incentive enough to say that, okay, you know what, this can actually work if you scale it up. And yeah, so I think it, it came from there. And to your point, Kanupriya, I think it really, volunteering is is really transformative for the volunteer as well in, in many ways. So for example, Civis, we've actually worked with 126 volunteers over the past year. And some of our volunteers have been with us for over three plus years. And they come in and they say that, you know what, this is my expertise or this is what I'm interested in. And I can only give you maybe like two hours a month. And we're good with that because their expertise of having gone to management school or having an understanding of, for example, public relations, that's stuff that we just don't have. And we've learned over time. And at first, I used to feel very guilty and apologetic about it. But we've learned over time that we are also giving a lot of value back to our volunteers in their ability to have an environment which is entirely their own to experiment and create 
if you're in media, you may want to create a PR strategy and see how it works. Now, your organization may have a PR strategy in place already, and they wouldn't really be open to somebody just coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to upload this and do a full 180. But for civics, it's really beneficial to have that input. And, and it's a playground in that sense to be able to do these fun and fascinating things. So in the long run, I do feel like it's not just us taking away, but we are also giving back in some ways to our volunteers. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, just looking through the volunteer program within service, it sounds incredibly impactful, both in terms of the work they can do, as well as what the outcomes of those are. So switching gears a little bit, you know, more explicitly impact. Did you always think that what you wanted to do was going to be impactful? Or is this what you wanted to do? And that just ended up being something that was impactful. So how intentional were you on the impact side? To be completely honest, my horizon was very limited at the point that I was making these decisions intentionally. <laughs> Just for some background, both my parents worked in different spheres of the de- development sector. It was dinner time conversation. It was everything. Like we'd drive, our trips would be across the country and we'd be speaking about agriculture and all sorts of stuff. I only very recently realized that that doesn't happen in every household. The idea is that from that perspective, my worldview was very limited in the sense that I I looked at impact as the obvious choice. Honestly, there would have been a hundred other careers maybe that would have fascinated me, but it just zeroed in on this because it seemed like that was the obvious choice of where I wanted to be. In that sense, maybe not as intentional as some of my colleagues who have, after 14 years of working in finance, after having earned two or three degrees in that specialization, have now made the shift to the impact sector full time. And I think that's way more laudable and, and quite incredible. But for me, it just sort of was a stumble <laughs> in the park yeah. in some ways. Yeah, but I think this is also incredibly laudable, right? Like to take that plan so early in your career and given especially the awareness that is there now versus 14, 15 years ago, I think even if people wanted to do it, the opportunities weren't necessarily there. One of the questions I had looking at both your profile and what Civis does is you don't have a legal background. Have you found that hampers your progress in any way or do you wish you did have a legal background? So I don't have a legal background. I am studying law on the side. I'm taking advantage of a part-time course and, and hopefully all fingers and toes crossed I should be done with that later this year. But essentially, did it impact Coming in, no, not quite. I think the asset that I bring to the organization at some point also was in looking at laws and policies from a lens of somebody who does not necessarily have that level of involvement. We work with a team of lawyers and we have a bunch of really committed people on our team. But for me to have that degree was not necessarily a drawback. Would it have been easier to, for example, fundraise if I had a degree in public policy or a master's in public administration or law, potentially. But it's really hard to say if that made a difference or not many years after the fact. I think the curiosity is important and and realizing what you bring and what you don't bring and filling that gap early on is also very important. And for me, I knew that law was not something that I brought to the table, but there were other people who we could work with who would fill that gap. Great. So maybe one last question before going to the fire jail. So looking at careers in politics in general, do you think that all careers in politics can be considered impactful? 
can be considered impact career? And what are the metrics then that one can look at if they want to go into politics and have an impact? Right. So that's a great and really interesting question. To your first point, are all careers in politics impactful? I would say yes, for the simple reason that having worked with politicians at the local level who, for example, in Mumbai work with 11 or 12 Vastis or slum areas where residents stay and you have day in and I've sat in those offices and seen how people come in day in and day out saying that these are some of my challenges. I haven't received my ration on time. I haven't received my food grain on time. And there is no option for the politician really, but to be able to deliver on those things and being able to actually fulfill that need of the constituent, right? So from that way, I think political careers do have a really big impact. And when it comes to the metrics, it's a little bit of a hard question to answer just because a lot of political systems work very differently. But from the Indian context, the important thing to not lose sight of is how many individual people are you actually impacting through your policy decisions vis-a-vis larger entities, corporations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I do feel like if you are grounded in the individual by nature of the work that you do, it will be impactful. That's not to say that corporations and others don't play a role as well. They do. And I think that's also an important role. But at the end of the day, looking at your constituents and being able to say that my policies actually did change or make XYZ process easier or actually implement that, I think that itself is a large indicator of impact. It may play out differently in different scenarios because of different political systems, but I think at the base, really for the state to focus on the individual, to be able to access the state is the key paradigm that we we need to work towards in this space. Perfect. Well, switching gears a little bit now to the ethical dilemma or the key dilemma that we could be facing in your role. And one of the things that struck us is the fact that civis is very neutral in its tone in the kind of issues that it's raising for something that probably a lot of people have very strong and ideological opinions about, especially if they're engaging with such a platform. How do you maintain that neutrality? And given that your current client base, for lack of a better word, your users would have a stronger political bend towards, I would assume, the liberal side, how do you ensure that you get the other opinion as well? And do you find that to be a problem? So I think maintaining neutrality, like you said, it's our North Star. And making sure that that comes out in every video we put out, every social media post, every summary, it really is a very difficult task. And we have to actively take many calls on that on a daily basis. When it comes to actually ensuring that we do get both sides of the problem, what we have noticed is that we do do outreach across the board. So it's not like we would only reach out to certain kinds of organizations. We do look at who is impacted by a particular law and reach out to both sides of that particular dilemma and work with them. In addition to that, I feel because we are democratizing the information flow, just to give you one example of how this works out, there was an environmental impact assessment notification that was passed in India and open for public comment sometime in May last year. And one of the people who actually called us up and said, hey, I want to give some feedback on this and I want you to explain it to me, was somebody who ran a small mine in an internal state in India, right? And that perhaps is a completely different side of the table as compared to other people who would be perhaps a little bit more pro-environment or keen to ensure stricter regulation. And the reason that they reached out to us was just because we had sort of opened up the information flow. 
there is not that much information on these laws and policies at the moment so anybody who is impacted by it no matter which side you're on will want to sort of come together and actually respond to it and it just so happens that civis is that bridge so we do proactive outreach on both ends of the spectrum to make sure that we gather feedback which is both pro and against and in addition to that we also focus on ensuring that our information that we put out is neutral so anybody feels comfortable to come into the platform and share an opinion or make their voice heard even if it's perhaps not the most popular perspective at the time cool and then one question we like to ask everyone is do you have any advice for listeners and especially people who are earlier in their career and thinking about how to move on to an impactful career I always feel like I don't have enough gray hairs to be giving advice yet but um, <laughs> I I think if there's one lesson or one thing that I'd like to share it's the fact that it's incredibly important to always follow your curiosity if you are curious about the earth sciences for example or absolutely anything in the impact sector dip your toes try and figure it out because the impact sector as a whole is really moving towards gears of being very very professional and being very cutting edge and competitive in the way that it operates allow us to take you by surprise but we can only do that if you give us a shot so i think that's all i'd have to say about that yeah and definitely very fitting and we can see that in your own career so for our last part we want to do the rapid fire just quick thoughts very quick answers on some of these questions At what age did you discover the cause you're most passionate about? 23, I want to say. 22. What is your favorite thing about working in Impact? The satisfaction that I get from seeing the work actually potentially change somebody's life. What is your least favorite thing about working in Impact? This is not going to be a 10-second answer. I don't know, actually. Admin? I hate admin and accounts. It happens in Impact too. <laughs> But... Yeah, everyone hates that. What do you think the education system can do to make impact more accessible? Illustrate it's a viable career choice. I think that's first and foremost. Okay. Did you take a pay cut in your current job? I did not work in the for-profit sector, but had I, I would have taken a big pay cut. Okay. Who is your impact hero? Oh man, I have so many. a bunch of them across the political spectrum right from new zealand's prime minister and president to alexandria ocasio cortez to non-profit leaders in india like atul satija benefit really really huge fan there's also an organization called indisaction really huge fan i have a long 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 list very interesting though i think at least some of those are names we haven't heard before on the podcast and then lastly who would you want to hear on this podcast i think atul because he made a really interesting switch from being in the startup world and to really getting it in the non-profit world and it would be great to hear his perspective absolutely well thank you so much antra we we definitely appreciate your curiosity and where that's led you and hopefully people can engage more with civis especially if you're in india we highly recommend it please get more involved with the political space in general and yeah i'm sure antra would love to hear from you on any thoughts you have on civis but thank you so so much for being here today Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Antara. This was super interesting and we wish you all the best luck with Civis. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Rise podcast and consider leaving us a review. If you want to receive additional resources to enter the social impact sector, 
please sign up to our newsletter on riceproject.uk. 